Adam, I went up to uh, dress to come to church tonight, and I had my Maverick shirt on. When I came downstairs, Sid said, no, you need to go up and change, so I'm with you. Game started at 8.30, is that right? I promised to have you out by then. Uh, I want you to know that I absolutely hate missing church. Is that a good sign, Adam? Uh, You know, Sid and I have been traveling the the past couple of weeks, and we've missed two services. And I want to tell you, Saturdays, you guys are on my mind throughout the day. I wake up praying for you, praying for the services, praying for Adam and Bud. And it's just, I don't like being away from home, being away from my home church. So we got in this week, and, and you know that feeling when you've been living out of suitcases for a while, and you come in, and you're in your own bed. It's like, ah, I'm home. Well, that's the way I feel tonight. Ah, I'm home with you guys. So I am so glad to be back with you. I love that we are able to keep up with the sermons uh, online. Adam did a great job the last couple of weeks talking about Acts, introducing Acts, a follow-up to the resurrection, and Easter. Uh, We all put our little Easter eggs and baskets up in the cabinet, but Easter is not over if you are a Christian. It's something that we live the whole year. Uh, Acts is a book in the New Testament. It's the sequel to Luke, and Luke wrote both of those. It is one of energy and excitement as we read about the early Christians as they found God doing new things all over the place and learned to take the good news of Jesus around the world. Now, while Sid and I were gone, one of my goals was to carve out time to sit and read the whole book of Acts, all 28 chapters in one setting. And you see, if you're like me, um, I'm used to reading the Bible kind of in sections so that I might read this passage of scripture and close my Bible up and it may be a couple of days and I go back and read another scripture. But I've come to realize that I think that we miss the essence of the story if, if we don't allow ourselves to read something in its entirety. And so one of my goals was to set to carve out two hours or so, whatever it would take to read the book of Acts. Um, let me explain another way. When we go to a movie, we commit a couple of hours to sit through to watch that movie, right? I mean, we would never think about going to a movie and sitting there for 10 minutes and just watching one section and leave and come back maybe the next week to watch another section. There's just something real about going to sit and watching a movie from the beginning to the ending. And this goes kind of against my um, habits of reading the Bible. So I was determined to do this. I only took one break in reading all 28 uh, chapters. And as we got, as I got through with the book of Acts, I closed up my Bible And I was so impressed with the disciples of Jesus Christ. I just just couldn't get over how much raw passion 
they had, how they totally devoted their lives to this Jesus. And, and so it helped me to understand their extreme energy, their extreme passion, and their extreme focus as they watched Jesus come back from being dead, as they carried out his order for them to spread the gospel to everyone that they saw. I mean, they gave it all, didn't they? They gave up their lives. They gave up, they sacrificed so much because they believed in Jesus and because they were with the Holy Spirit. I, I, had, I came out of that time having a new respect for them. And I saw where they had this burning burden for the people that they met. They knew the truth. There was no doubt in their minds. They had witnessed. They had been a part of Jesus' disciples. They had heard him teach. They had watched the miracles. And, and then they were burdened because they wanted everyone that they met to know the truth about Jesus so that those people would also have this same energy and this passion to love God and to serve Jesus. The energy that they exerted was far beyond my understanding. They were truly, no doubt, devoted, proactive, and obedient. Now, Acts is also a book that is full of puzzles and problems that the church faced then, and likewise, the churches face today. Crisis over leadership and money and ethnic divisions, theology and ethics, not to mention serious clashes with the, with the political and religious authorities. Normal church life looks like that. It has all these things going on. If someone tells you that they go to a church that has no problems, I would not want to go to that church. They're just ignorant or stupid, or they just come in and leave out the back door. Every church faces challenges, and this is normal. How we proceed with those difficulties, how we live out the Christian life in the middle of conflict is so, so important. And so we see that, that these early disciples, uh, in the midst of all the difficulties that they had, the early church was still able to take the gospel forward in very dynamic ways. Luke, the author of Acts, wants us to read the story, but he also wants to see us see how we put ourselves into the story. The book is about Jesus, but as we read about the disciples and the work of the Holy Spirit, we can begin to see ourselves in the story, living out Christ in everyday life. We are a part of something much greater than ourselves. Amen? Let me switch subjects here for a minute. Kobe Bryant retired from playing basketball this week. Now, he is NBA's third leading scorer of all times, and this past Wednesday night, he played his final game of his 20-year career. Now, Bryant played in the All-Star game 18 times. 
and he just recently, at the end of his career, scored 35 points in one game, which kind of proved himself that he is still a contributing dominant player. One fan purchased two tickets to watch his final game Wednesday night, and that one fan paid $45,000 for his tickets. Now, why would somebody pay $45,000 for two tickets other than they were crazy? It's, it's because we as humans desire to be a part of history. We, we want to experience something greater than ourselves. That's why we see people planning on going to the Super Bowl a year in advance or, or every four years going to the Olympics because we love events like this that are historical and we want to be greater. We want to be part of something greater than what we are now. And, and that's the way that I see the disciples in Acts. It's because they have seen this historical figure. They have seen Jesus who came in and just kind of wrecked the world, turned everything upside down. And, and they knew that this was greater than anything that they had ever known, anything that they had ever tasted. And they wanted to be a part of this kingdom work because it's much greater than what they were by themselves. I see the disciples in Acts so excited about Jesus, the person who is a game changer, this person who has such a vast influence on the world, and these followers wanted to be a part of his kingdom. They gave their all, they gave their everything to help the world know about Jesus Christ. Their heartbeat was for God's work, and absolutely nothing could stop them. So I kind of, I kind of got the feel of two truths that go through the book of Acts. The first is the resurrection of Jesus. And Adam talked about this a couple of, when he first introduced Acts, that, that Jesus died, he was resurrected, and that is great. But it's like what John said up here a while ago, life after death. What does it mean, the resurrection for us? What does that mean in our everyday life to carry around Jesus in our hearts, to live out a Christian life? What does it mean to journey with other people in our community? And, and as the Bible says, iron sharpening iron, we sharpen each other as we go through this journey with Jesus. It all starts, though, with a point of resurrection. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel, no ongoing work of Jesus. There would only be this sad memory of a great but failed teacher and a would-be Messiah. The resurrection of Jesus, who died under the weight of the world's evil, is the foundation of the new world, God's new world. Um, we need to preach to ourselves. Every single one of us needs to preach to ourselves every single day the story of the resurrection because it comes down to this. God gave his only begotten son to die for you so that you could have a relationship with God. If you were the only person 
on this earth, Jesus would have died for you. Those are some powerful words. Ephesians 2.10 says, I am God's workmanship, his handiwork, born anew in Christ to do his work. Let us proclaim that every single day that we draw a breath. And the second truth that I really noticed in Acts is that the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is real. From the start, Luke insists that the Spirit is present and that, and that the disciples are about to discover just how powerful the Spirit is. It's a new reality for them in the lives of his followers. Now, I've been a part of several different churches, different denominations, but I've spent 23 years in the Baptist church. And to be honest, we were a little bit scared of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we were really scared if you said Holy Ghost. Uh, And when it came to the Trinity, we kind of described it like God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Bible. We didn't quite know what to make of this spirit, and so we just kind of put him on the back burner, and we just kind of ignored him. But Luke begins Acts by telling us that the Spirit of God is real and present in ourselves. He is the driving force of the energy and passion that we find in the disciples. So these two truths are foundational, the resurrection of Jesus and the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Acts is also a book where a lot of journeys take place, more than any other place in the Bible. Last week, Adam spoke on the conversion of Saul to Paul, a new creature. And what a powerful story that is, isn't it, Robert? It is so powerful, and it is a beautiful image of what God specializes in doing through his son, Jesus Christ, and that being one of transformation, taking an old life and making it totally new again. And and in that journey of Paul's life, we see the significant impact on the world made by this man who is totally devoted to Jesus, carrying with him the Holy Spirit. Many books were written about Paul's life. It was and is major in spreading of the gospel. And so tonight we're going to take a look at a few verses about another journey. And this one is a lot more simple, but also impactful for the kingdom. It's Acts 9, 36 through 43, Uh, It will be on the screen, but if you would like to look it up either on your phone or in in the Bible that's in your pew, Acts 9, 36 through 43. Would you stand for the reading of God's word, please? Down the road away in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha gazelle in our language. She was well known for doing good and helping out. During the time Peter was in the area, she became sick and died. Her friends prepared her body for burial and put her in a cool room. Some of the disciples had heard that Peter was visiting in nearby Lydda and sent two men to ask if he would be so kind as to come over. Peter got right up and went with them. He took 
They took him into the room where Tabitha's body was laid out. Her old friends, most of them widows, were in the room mourning. They showed Peter pieces of clothing the gazelle had made while she was with them. Peter put the widows all out of the room. He knelt and prayed. Then he spoke directly to the body. Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He took her hand and helped her up. And then he called in the believers and the widows and presented her to them alive. When this became known all over Joppa, many of, their, many of them trusted in the master. Peter stayed on a long time in Joppa as a guest of Simon the Tanner. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So what do we know about this passage of scripture that we've just read? First, where is it taking place? There are two places noted. The first is Joppa, which is a port city near the heart of modern-day Tel Aviv. We know that this is the town that Tabitha lived in and that Lida was a town about 10 miles away where Peter was staying. And there are several people in this story First of all, we find a female disciple whose Greek name is Dorcas, but her Hebrew name is Tabitha, which is aromatic for gazelle as we know it. And like a gazelle, we know that Tabitha was a woman of energy, grace, beauty, and quick movements. There was no mention of a man in Tabitha's life, and as a result, most think that she was a widow. What's interesting is she doesn't speak in this whole passage about her, but her acts of kindness speak volumes. She was connected to her community and used her gift to make clothes for people in need. And she was known to the people in her community as being compassionate, as being kind and noted for her charitable deeds. She might be considered a very ordinary person, quietly working behind the scenes, believing in Jesus and helping out where she could. Tabitha was referred to as a disciple. We know from that description that she was a follower of Jesus. She reminds me a lot of Ruth because she lived a very simple life. She was well-connected to her community. And we learn a lot about her by what her friends are saying. They, a lot of them were probably widowed. They had come to prepare her body after she had died. And she had a compassionate heart as she served the people she lived in. This is the only place in the Bible that Tabitha is written about. Tabitha came to my mind when I thought of what Mother Teresa said. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. I cannot help everyone, but I can help someone. Don't keep from helping someone just because you can't help everyone. And don't stop doing something just because you can't do everything. Do what you can whenever you can for whomever you can. This is what Tabitha did in her simple acts of kindness to the people in her life. So I wondered about Providence. I wondered how many Tabithas 
we have in our church. Looking around our society, I have to admit to you that my personal heroes in our culture today are young mothers who are devoting themselves to their families and to their young children. Sid and I just spent the week at the beach with our daughter and her husband and three kids ages five, three, and five months. We had to come home to rest. <laughs> Those little guys require so much attention, and they have so much energy. It tires me just to think about it. Whenever I see a pregnant woman, I take a deep breath, not because I'm breathing for them, but because I think I remember what it was like to take a deep breath back then. It's just something I don't think about. It just happens. I see young moms out at Target with their kids. One mom pushing a full grocery cart, wearing a baby, carrying a huge diaper bag, and herding two or three toddlers to the car. You moms are absolutely amazing, and you guys better say amen. You got that right. I observe them as they wait, make their way to the car, and, and there's nothing easy about what they're doing, but you guys have mastered it. You know how to do it. You know how to use this hand, this elbow, that foot. You get everybody belted in the car, and you transfer all the purchases to the trunk. I can't help it. It just happened. It, it floods my mind. It just is awesome. Young mothers are amazing, and you are my heroes. Uh, I ran across, I'm, I'm big about New Year's resolutions, um, and Sid and I both do them. Number one and two are always the same, lose weight, exercise more. But I ran across, when I was cleaning out my closet the other day, I ran across my resolutions from 1981, and our children were three and one at that time. And one of my resolutions was to have a conversation with an adult at least once a day. <laughs> you see, it's hard. Raising children is very hard. It's almost like torture to fall asleep. I see you smiling. You know what I'm talking about. And you're in a deep, deep sleep, and then you get awakened only to fall back into sleep, to wake up again. I think it's called torture, isn't it? Where you just are, you are so sleep provide, uh, deprived. But it changes the way we live. It's hard, it's hard to use complete sentences because of all the interruptions that you get. You have to navigate your daily routine around naps and snacks. Now, Sid and I are both from families of three siblings, and both of us are the babies of our families. So when we got married, it was just understood we both wanted three kids. We had the first, a girl. Misty was compliant and a very easy child, and we thought we were really good at parenting. So 25 months later, we had our second baby, and he was a boy, David. And he was completely opposite of our daughter. And we re realized very quickly that our parenting had absolutely nothing to do with having a compliant child. 
David was so full of energy and never stopped for anything. It wasn't long afterwards that we decided to stop with only two kids. My reasoning was that David counted for two, so in a way we already had our three. But needless to say, we stopped at two. But sometimes, as a young mom, we begin to question if we're doing enough for God's kingdom. Because we go through this routine and we exert so much energy and so much of ourselves. And then we read about all these people doing amazing things and we kind of get down on ourselves. Let me assure you that you are doing exactly the job that God has given you. You have your own mission field right in your own house. You're pouring yourself into these little kids. It's, it's a God thing, and it requires so much of you. You are busy with God's help in making disciples from these little people. And in this way, you are furthering the kingdom of God, just like Tabitha did quietly. She was an ordinary woman loving an extraordinary God. If you work in a bank, you have a mission field with your coworkers. If you sit in a cubicle, you have opportunities to share with people coming and going from work or in the break room. Lord, would you open our eyes to see that our lives are a mission field right where we find ourselves. We encounter people every day. At school, you have a mission field. You are there for a reason. Those people all around you need to know the truth, and you need to somehow share it with them. It is your mission field. We, like Tabitha, are giving gifts that we can use to touch our community and our world. Now, Tabitha was a woman living in a culture that did not really value women. It was just that kind of culture. And I find it pretty exciting that God chose to raise a woman from the dead. It speaks volume to us how, how Jesus came into the world to turn it upside down. This story being in the Bible helps us to understand that women are so important to the kingdom of God. We can assume that there were many other people who had died and were not raised. But for some reason, God chose to resurrect Tabitha, a very ordinary woman, living a life of service to her Lord. Don't you know the women of the day fell in love with Jesus, a Jew? How much he did for their self-esteem as he displayed this pure love for them and treated them with so much respect. Unlike the amazing story of Paul being converted and his being zealous for the work of Jesus following that, Tabitha sheds light on the ordinary person. But she and all of us are just as important to God as Paul was. We know that Tabitha had friends. They were the ones who came and, and prepared her body. Uh, I find it interesting that they prepared her body, but they didn't bury her. They took her to a cool place, to an, uh, an upper room. I just wonder 
if there was some anticipation, because they had been hearing the stories of Jesus' miracles and the disciples doing miracles with the authority of Jesus Christ. And I wonder if there was some type of anticipation that their friend might be raised from the dead. But they showed up for support and to grieve together the loss of their friend. They brought with them some of the pieces that she had made. Remember, we read in the scripture that, that she made clothes for people who needed them and gave them away. And here we see all these women coming together, and they're bringing, they're bringing some of those clothes. And I can just hear them talk about stories about Tabitha. I treasure some of the things that my grandmother made. She was born in 1904. And she was very, very poor. And during that time, there wasn't a Ross or a Marshalls to run out and pick up clothes. My granny would make dresses for me, and I still have some of those dresses. And I can remember as a little girl sitting and watching Granny and Aunt May sit and put together a quilt and the hours of intensive labor that they did to make a warm blanket for our bed. And I still have some of those quilts. And, and sometimes when I look at those and I put my hands on them, I so connect with my granny. And these friends of Tabitha were just like that. They were talking about what a compassionate lady she was, so kind and willing to just give of herself to those in need. These friends washed her body and prepared it. And some of the disciples were there, and they had heard that Peter was staying not too far away. And so they sent two men to ask Peter if he would come and help with their friends. The disciples were excited at this time with the, all the possibilities of Jesus' healing. And I wonder how many of us in Providence are like these disciples. When someone is in need of something and not able to ask for help, we jump in to help. Maybe it means running to another town like this in the story, or maybe it means after you've come home from work and you're tired and you're sitting in your comfortable house and you get a phone call that there was a hell storm in Wiley, maybe it just means picking up and leaving the comforts of home to go help board up some windows or, or maybe just to listen to, the, to how the storm came in. How can we help? Maybe it means for some of us taking small children for a weekend so that parents can go on a well-deserved vacation. Maybe it means to sit by a bed and hold the hand of someone you love who is passing to the next life. Are we like those disciples who went out of their way to help Tabitha? We know from reading the scripture that Peter journeyed to Lydda after being informed. Ten miles walking. He left the town he was staying in. Why? What, what are we witnessing in this story is, is, that, is that raw passion and desire to please God, Peter had to live out 
Christ for the rest of his life. He knew no other way. He had witnessed too much. He knew the absolute truth that Jesus was who he said he was. And he wanted to spend the rest of his life serving God. That's why he did it. Because after the resurrection, after the death, there came life with Jesus Christ. So we find Peter was obedient to the opportunities that God laid in front of him. He was in sync with the Holy Spirit and was on the watch for ministry, always waiting for something that he could do to serve. He went to the room where Tabitha was laying. Her friends were all around him, showing him all the the things that she had, had crafted. And Peter asked them to leave. I just need a few minutes alone. And he got down on his knees and he prayed. I wonder, how many Peters do we have in Providence? Someone who is setting on go for any time to obey God. Someone who is bold and unashamed of the gospel of Christ. Someone who is wanting to be used by God as an instrument in the spreading of the gospel. Just like in the book of Ruth, God is the hero of the story in Acts. We read Luke's words as he tells us of the amazing miracles as Peter prayed. Acting on the authority of Jesus Christ, he prayed. And we don't know what he prayed. Maybe a very, very simple prayer. Maybe he just prayed, come, Lord Jesus, come. He turned around after he had prayed and faced the body. And he picked up Tabitha's hand in his. And he said to the body, Tabitha, arise. She opened her eyes, she saw him, and she sat up. Jesus healed Tabitha from death. Perhaps you are in a place where you desperately need a touch of healing from Jesus. Would you please be encouraged by this scripture And know that healing is what Jesus specializes in. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Would you bow with me? Help us, Lord, to be like Tabitha, worshiping you through small acts of kindness, using our talents to help those around us, being a disciple of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be like Peter, waiting to serve you in opportunities of ministry, going the long mile to help serve you, being in touch with the Holy Spirit, always anticipating the next step with Jesus, to be bold when we pray, asking for miracles with the authority of Jesus Christ who lives in us. We ask these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring 
Savior, you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors.